0: blog talk radio
1: hey good afternoon everybody or good morning depending on where you are and this is Kim with blogs well with black free thinkers and and again let me start over let me take a deep breath I uh, was experiencing a couple of technical difficulties a minute here so Now that we've gotten that under control, let me introduce myself again. My name is Kimberly, and this is Black Free Thinkers. And we are here to challenge you to think and live for yourself, not convert you. I'll say that one more time. We are here to challenge you to think and live for yourself, not convert you. So, hey, everybody. Hey, hey, hey. So a lot has happened since last week. Of course there are, you know, of course. You know, um, the next four years are going to be quite interesting. So, you know, I was making jokes about, you know, Donald Trump's hillbilly cabinet, and <laughs> the four-year down begins. And, you know, it's, it's really interesting because last night, I had to go to um, an awards banquet and accept an award on behalf on on behalf of one of the organizations that I work with, and it was a beautiful event. You know, a lot of wonderful people met some wonderful people, and it was just it was just really it was a good time because at first I didn't know what to expect, but once I got there, I got comfortable. Everybody was talking to one another. Everyone was there just to have a good time and to celebrate one another. You know, not just celebrate, you know, those that won awards, but just to celebrate each other for a living another day, for, you know, having the ability to come there, to come out and be with us, but also celebrating the people who were celebrating with us in spirit, if you will, for those who could not make it out or those who or, you know, that don't live in Chicago, whatever the situation may be, you know, it's just a celebration of just humanity. And that was one of the things that struck me yesterday was, you know, how everyone was just happy to see each other, you know, the acceptance speeches that we gave, you know, everybody was paying homage to one another and acknowledging what is taking place in this country, And so it was really interesting because one of the guests, who was not able to make it, but they were, they are part of the Sioux tribe, you know, the Standing Rock Sioux tribe. And so it was beautiful. It was another young woman that was part of another First Nation, and this was in Peru. And so she gave a beautiful talk as well. And so, again, you know, we're seeing what's happening with, the indigenous, the Native Americans, the First Nations people all over the world because the one woman that was from Peru, she was talking about the Amazon and how villages were burned down, how people were taken into custody, how many of them have lost their culture, they've lost their language, you know, they've lost their land, everything for all of this mining, whether it's for coal or gas or what have you so this is happening worldwide and this is one of the reasons why i implore you guys to go out and do some research and and go out and see these things and read about them and if you're able to do so, you know, contribute in some kind of way. Even if you don't have the financial means to contribute, even if you don't have the ability to go out and to, you know, um, go to the rallies that are being held, you know, post it Post it on Facebook, Twitter, what have you. Have these discussions. Now, you know, to me, that is the most important component of support, you know, in in what we're dealing with now, having these conversations, especially the hard conversations, you know, because we always see these status updates or articles written by white people asking what they can do. And we've talked about this so much, you know, it's like we're just looking at what we don't understand and the reason why you're getting pushback, and especially for the past few years, there have been several of us, and we're like, we're not going to explain this to you anymore because we want you to go out and do the research. Unfortunately, you have, you know, some white people who will tell us that this is a learning experience, this is a learning moment, and that it is our responsibility to educate them. No, no. You probably put more time researching that BMW than you have researching racism. And that speaks volumes. So, you know, people want to tell people of color, especially black people, all oh, your priorities are fucked up. <laughs> you know, that's one of the things that I've heard over the years. And, and, you know, we'll hear things like, well, you know, why won't 20 of you move into a house or move into an apartment and then you buy houses and put your family members in those houses until everybody has a house or a business? And what's so interesting about it is, again, I always talk about what James Baldwin said about white people and how white people are living in a history that they don't know or understand. And the same holds true for black people, because when I hear white people saying that, I just look at them and roll my eyes. I don't even, you know, confront and go into these conversations anymore like I used to in the past, because it's like spinning your wheels, you know, is And exercise in futility is is what I like to call it. Because regarding black people starting businesses and, and flourishing and, you know, being prosperous, we've done that. We've done it over and over and over. Black Wall Street, you know, Tulsa, Rosewood, Wilmington, New York. You know, there was a prosperous town, you know, black town established by the slaves in New York. They decided to push the people out and build Central Park. So, you know, it's really interesting when I hear this shit because any time that black people have been prosperous and flourishing, not only with, you know, our own business, but also with, elect, you know, with elected seats, you know, with any type of authority, Uh, you know, prominence or authority position, what happens? You get angry white people that come And kill everybody off if they can, and those who they didn't kill, they chased them out of town, and the ones that were left, you know, they they stole the property. You know, again, with a lot of these different cities, you know, even Chicago had a race riot, you know, it was more than one. But, you know, they're still finding deeds to property that was owned by blacks, that whites went and basically stole the land. And this happened all over the country. And so, you know, know, when they get to talking about, oh, well, you know, all these other, you know, races, you know, look at the Asians, look at the Latinos, look what they've done. And I just look at them, and I'm like, we've done it too. But every time that happens, you get angry because in many, many cases, we do better. Then you want to come and tear it down. And kill us. And, you know, for those who've been listening to the show for a while, you know, I've talked about how a lot of these churches, you know, were complicit with this. You know, many of the blacks were attending churches that had a white pastor, or what have you. And when these situations would arise, they would basically nail the edict on the church door. And the pastor would walk around with the lynch mob, if you will and start going to the homes of the black people and telling them to come outside because he knew they were at home. So, you know, before you get to talking to us about, well, why aren't you, you know, prospering like these other particular groups? And, you know, the next time you say that, I just want you to shut up and think about it. And also the other groups that fall into this, you know, this, this, fucked up rhetoric, you know, the Latinos and the Asians and the other folks. Look, when they do that, what they're doing is they're trying to pit black people against others. And basically, they try to use black people as the measuring stick. So they tell the Latinos, the mestizos, you know, the Asians, indigenous people, um, you don't want to be like the blacks. Look at them over there. They can't even open and keep a business. They won't even, you know, patronize each other's businesses. That's not true. You know, basically it's gotten to the point where I'm like if we did this again, which we can, we have the knowledge and we have the resources. My thing is how we keep it because just take a look at what just happened (laughs) with this last election. You know, Barack Obama was elected president of the United States. We, you know, they want to call it the Great Recession. No, it was the Depression, and it's not over yet. So I just want you guys to brace yourself. But he was able to turn things around. And although, although, you know, that narrative is kind of fluffed, because if you understand the economy and how it works you would understand how they kept printing dollars, they kept printing money, and so how the economy seems to be raised, but mm, not so much is fluffed. But you know, on a macro level, he's done quite well, which is why the Wall Street business people love him. You know, they hate him in public, but they love the fact that you know he's made them richer than they even that they could ever think of. And so on the micro level, you know, you have people out here, and many of them are underemployed or unemployed, and some, some of the ones that are employed, you know, basically, you know, they're making less money than they were making 10 years ago, 15 years ago, 20 years ago. So when you look at that, you have to look at it from a couple of different perspectives. But, you know, I'm not here to talk about economics today, but I definitely want you guys to go out and look that up. And especially in black and brown communities, the the wealth, the equity that we once had, a lot of that was lost in 2007 and 2008. So we are actually in worse condition than our parents and our grandparents had lived through um, economically. And so I want you to go back because if you look at where we are now, you know, it takes us all the way back to the 30s and the 40s. And, hell, truth of the matter is, I think they were doing even better then than now. And so just do some research. You know, that's all I can ask of you is to do some research. And, you know, it's like I should start participating a little bit more in shutting those conversations down The problem is you have some of these people, and this will turn into a two-, three-day conversation. I ain't got time for that shit. So that's that's why a lot of times I'm like, you know what, I want to say something. And most of the time what I'll do is I'll go and find a link off of NPR or Democracy Now! or something to that effect, and I'll just slam it into the thread and walk away. You know, because curiosity gets the better of most of us. They're going to click that link, and they're going to go and read it. You know, and that's why it's important for you all to post from legitimate news sources. And that's a whole show by itself. Maybe we can get Raina to come in, because nobody goes in on that like Raina does. And so, (laughs) you know, I probably will reach out to her and see when we can schedule something like that. It would have to be after... Um, this, well, her classes are done. So, I think she has, what, a couple more weeks and it'll all be over for this semester. So, yeah, you know, we need to talk about those things. And let me go ahead and read the notes for today's show. Now, today's show is White Christian America, Racism American Style Part 2. I did part one last week and I wasn't able to get to all of the information. And to be honest with you, I know I'm not going to be able to get to all of the information today. So what I am going to do is the, what the, the certain parts that I know that I want to get to, but I can't get to today, I'm going to make a special show about that. And what I'm going to do, and I mean I'm just going to be honest with you, I am going to go in on the white evangelicals, but I'm also going to go in on the black Christians as well. And with that particular show, it definitely will be a segue into my little series about the black church and its culpability in some of this, you know. And so let me tell you, so today is part two, white Christian America, racism American style. And I'm looking at my numbers from last week, and thank you. Thank you, you know whoever it is that's out there that's listening. we appreciate it. you know, um, I'm looking at the growth, and we grew by you know basically twelve hundred percent That's good, that's damn good, so thank you you know, <laughs> you know, so you know, I appreciate each and every last one of you, you know those who can listen live, those who listen to the archive. You know, just know that I appreciate you. And, you know, I've talked about this before about how I do this show basically for myself because when I get to reading this information and I'm like, wow, guys, I'm like, I didn't know about this. Did you know about this? Well, let me tell you about it. And, um, you know, it's very cathartic for me. So, you know, in a lot of ways, you know, not only do I thank you for listening to the show. But also, I I thank you for allowing me to grow, you know, go back and listen to those earlier shows. Bad sound quality, that wasn't my fault, that was BTR. And, you know, some of my stances on certain positions, when I look back, I'm like, oh, that was kind of fucked up. But I've grown since then, and I have no problem telling you guys what I once thought. And, and and explain the procession and how I got to where I am now. I'm not afraid to be wrong about anything because, I mean, what that does, it, it just tells me and teaches me that I need to go out, do more reading, do more research. So, you know, I do this show for you, but I, I do this show for me, you know, and so I just want you to understand that. So next Sunday – the title of that show is white Americans and western Europeans to the rest of us fuck your safe spaces. Again, white Americans and western Europeans to the rest of us, fuck your safe spaces. exclamation point. The show following that would be white splaining from the democrats. Don't worry, be happy. And so <laughs> Between that old song, Don't Worry, Be Happy by Bobby McFerrin, and that song, Happy by Pharrell, you know, you know, they want to turn us into these, quote-unquote, new Negroes, that we should just be thankful and grateful for the scraps that are, you know, basically clearing off of their place into our trough, if you will, and <laughs> you all just don't know and I'm sitting back, and I'm watching, you know, and it's so funny because I talk about tokenism on this show quite frequently, and we've been doing this show for about five and a half years now, and so, you know, I've heard almost after every show that people do not appreciate me calling them tokens, and so, you know, in all fairness, I thought about it for five seconds, and I said, okay, well, you know, we'll give them their own names, right? You know, and so especially now that we see what's happening with Donald Trump and his circle of new Negroes that went out there and and helped him to win, you know, quite a few black votes. Now, when I say that, you know, I want you to understand that I know that we're not a monolith. You have conservatives, you have liberals, you have independents. I used to be a Republican. And I'm an independent now. I'm not even a Democrat. I'm an independent. And so I kind of understand where they're coming from. But the Republicans then are much different than the Republicans now. And so, you know, I want you to go back and do some research on, you know, on that, with the exception of people like Alan Keyes, you know, some of the black Republicans that I had respect for like um, J.C. Watts, um, let me see here, Walter T. Williams. You know, he used to do a lot of substitution for Rush Limbaugh. And I've never really liked Rush Limbaugh, but I did listen to his show, and I'm going to start listening to it again um, on a more frequent basis because I catch it here and there. And Neil Borson, you know, and part of me is like, yeah, you probably need to leave that alone, Kim especially when you have people like Alex Jones that are out here confusing the hell out of a lot of people. And you know what? So anyway, we'll get into the Alex Jones thing a little later. But yeah, white splaining from the Democrats, don't worry, be happy. And I'm pretty sure many of you all have heard that you know, this week by itself, you know, the past couple of weeks in which they're telling black people and they're telling people of color and all the different minorities, oh, it's going to be okay. Yes, he was elected, but it's going to be all right, (laughs) you know, and I'm just sitting here and I am just flustered and frustrated because how are you going to tell me that is going to be okay, your white privilege is going to protect you. And so if nothing else that came out of this election, Donald Trump has forced us to cover and protect one another, those of us in these endangered classes, if you will. And, (laughs) you know, he's bringing us closer together. We really have no choice. And so that's why, you know, I'm finding it interesting when you have these pastors, like Pastor Burns and Pastor Scott and, you know, a number of, you know, and Paula White, a white woman over a black congregation, one of those megachurches. And, and you know, they were saying that they were praying for Donald Trump. Same thing with Jim Baker, Pat Robinson, and just a host of these you know, white evangelical pastors that are out here, and they know damn well what these dog whistles are, what these, you know, these triggers are, what this coded language is about. And so they're thinking of themselves in their pocketbooks. Now, last year when I was, you know, I did a show talking about the prosperity gospel of Donald Trump. And, you know, we had people rolling their eyes at us and like, what kind of shit? That's stupid. That's crazy. No, it's not. And so, you know, he has calmed a lot of people. And it's going to be interesting when the working class and poor whites finally realize that they have been had. And, you know, what's so interesting is for those of us on the outside looking at this shit, and we're like, you know, that's what you get. You know, but in the meantime, we're going to suffer too. You know, And the more attacks that we make on Donald Trump, and when I say attacks, I'm talking more ad hominem personal attacks, the more they are going to circle the wagons around him and protect him. And so, you know, we need to start attacking his policies and what he's trying to push through. And all of those, and I mean, you know, you have people out here that are going to mock him, and, you know, that's fine, you know, especially with some of these shows and some of these comedians, I get it. So, you know, I'm not saying not to, but, you know, while, while you're, you know, putting out your satirical pieces, if you will, you know, make sure that you add in, you know, the policies and that he's trying to put forth because it's going to be very important for people to understand and to know what he's doing, because he's already trying to put some policies in place that are direct violations of the Constitution. And so some friends of mine and I were sitting back, and we're, you know, making little bets on the back end as to how long it's going to be before he gets impeached, you know, (laughs) So, Or run out of office. So it's going to be interesting um, sitting back and watching this and watching it play out. And what was so interesting in regards to the percentage of black votes that Mr. Trump received is, again, you know, a lot of black men, especially a lot of the black men in the church, Again, that's that patriarchy. And so, yes, they feel that women should be held in a certain regard, that women should not be over them, that women should not govern them, that they feel as though they are the head not only of the home, but they should be the head of, you know, a state, the head of the country. And it's just really interesting because just looking at the dynamics and watching how a lot of this parallels, you know, I'm looking around, and I'm like, you know, we can't be the only ones seeing this. And so, yeah, yeah, you know, 50% of white women voted for Trump. Hmm. (laughs) And what's so interesting about that is many of these women profess to be feminists. And so, you know, I'll get into that more in depth later, but, you know, what's interesting is those of us that have been coming out against, you know, this bigotry, the racism, the sexism, you know, this misogyny parade that, you know, Donald Trump is leading, you know, you have some of these people pushing back, which is fine. You know, that's what they're supposed to do, and, you know, hopefully you all will see that as an opportunity to grow, but you know you have a lot of these women you know crying their salty white tears, and man too, you know we're seeing this shit, oh well, you're being disrespectful. No one protested when Barack Obama won, yeah, the hell they did, and over on the University of Mississippi, they rioted when when Barack Obama was reelected. You know they were running around, you know um you know walking around with effigies of. Barack Obama, and a number of other things. And so it's just, it's the whole thing is just absolutely astounding because you have that double standard there. We're supposed to roll over and lay out like the damn welcome mat and let, you know, them walk all over for us because they know what's better for us. See, you know, we we don't know any better, and we should allow them to make these decisions for us and give us the scraps. And like I said, that's bullshit. And what's so interesting about a lot of these particular white feminists is they want black feminists to support them and to hold them up and hold them up in high regard. But what's interesting about that, and this conversation has been happening for years, and Raina and I used to talk about it quite a bit on the show, A lot of these white feminists do not read the works of black feminists. What they do is they'll go and, you know, read a couple of articles or go and, you know, to some of these conferences, take notes. Then they go back and act as though those thoughts were their own. And they capitalize off of it. There was a big, you know, hoopla about white feminists taking, you know, the works of black, you know, feminists Um, bloggers and, you know, the people on Tumblr and, you know, just a number of different social media outlets. And you see this all the time. You see it all the time. And so this is one of the reasons why you don't see very many women of color supporting them now. You know, even back with the civil rights, black power movement, a lot of black women were part of the feminist you know, movement there. As a matter of fact, it was started by us. And basically, a lot of black women were given a choice and basically being told that they could not focus on two different issues. And even some of the black feminists that stayed, you know, engaged with the feminist movement, they were, you know, many of them were blasted for, you know, helping some of the civil rights and black power um activists you know, if you really want to go and read something that was truly, you know, um, a real good example of this, go and look up Florence Kennedy and the feminist movement, and you'll see how the white feminists treated her, you know, and Florence Kennedy, she, you know, she was a bad girl, and so just go, 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 read, look it up, you know, and, and you'll understand. But, yeah, you know, a lot of these white feminists, they continue to steal from black feminists, steal from black people, and then turn around and ignore us when we object to a lot of that behavior. But, you know, what's really interesting about this, and I'm not going to be on this too much longer. i got to move on. But, you know, you have a lot of these white feminists that are out here. And, you know, they want to say black lives matter and, you know, and, and that they're with us and that they're our allies. But then you turn around and, you know, just the utter betrayal. And what's so interesting is that a lot of these white women do not real, you well, some of them realize it, but others do not. They don't realize basically with this administration, you know, basically the premise of all of this is to put women and people of color back in their place, if you will. And so it's going to be interesting watching this roller coaster. And um, yeah, you know, you you wrote all of these articles, you white feminists, you wrote all of these articles, especially around a time when Dylan Ruth went into that South Carolina church and killed all of those black people. And I saw articles and tweets and all of this good fun shit from white women talking to white men telling them not to use them as, you know, one of their cornerstones in regard to their racism and their acts of atrocity against, you know, black people. You know, you're not defending my honor. You're not defending white women and, you know, all of this, you know, and, and it seemed like you all were getting it. You know, and, and basically you know, putting it out there to let people know that when these white men state that they're defending the honor of white women, they're defending, you know, the the innocence, you know, all of that. And then you turn around and do this. And then you wonder why we call you out and we call bullshit, right? So you think on that for a while. Because huh is very true, you know, you just have these double standards out here. So anyway, it's a whole bunch that I need to get to today. And so I'm just going to read, you know, the story or the um, the um, information or what I wrote about the show, right? So it says here, funny how you wanted to bring us to heal and bury our movements just like you buried movements in the past. Well, little tink-tink, it seems as though the tables have turned on you, Democrats. We have brought you to heel and buried your aspirations to kill our movements. Those black, brown, red, yellow, and poor white votes matter after all, huh? I want you to explain to us very slowly how you aren't going to address issues that plague our communities. Can you expound on how you are going to ignore our policy demands? Tell us more about the false hope and refuse to change that you sold to us. Y'all, we are waiting for you to explain why your cousins, (laughs) you know, Jim Bob and Ellie May, voted overwhelmingly for Donald Trump. And and this is my personal favorite sentence that I wrote in the description. I defecate your post-racial narrative and violently regurgitate your colorblind tropes. And so, you know, it goes back into, you know, again, Christianity and the Bible have been used to perpetuate and justify slavery, systemic institutional racism, raw deal, Jim Crow segregation, mob action against communities of color, Poverty, wealth, inequality, and more. This system is not and never will be broken. It was built this way. We need to accept this fact of life. White Christian, white American Christians tend to cling to their guns and Bibles, just like Barack Obama said, but especially in times of trouble and uncertainty. And Mark, the Reverend Martin Luther King once said, "It is appalling that the most segregated hour of Christian America is eleven o'clock on Sunday morning." The religious right was formed to protect segregation. White nationalists will tell you that their organizations are Christian based. The Black Power, the Black Panther Party, and the Black Lives Matter. Uh, movements are being labeled hate groups and are being attacked from every direction. However, the Klan is still in existence and allowed to continue with their campaigns of terror with impunity. White Christians are behaving more white than Christian. How does that work? And so that's the show description for today. And I've already started segueing into, you know, the different things that I definitely want to cover. And so, you know, what I find most interesting is you have a lot of white people out here, you know, feigning ignorance. You know, for a while, I actually really thought you all had no clue, but you do. And so I'm no longer giving you the benefit of the doubt. I stopped doing that a while ago, but now I have absolutely no patience for that bullshit, right? And so, and especially... With the election of this fascist And so uh, You know I see white people Telling black people It's going to be okay How the fuck do you know it's going to be okay It's going to be okay for you You know And you know you have these different categories You you know Mike Pence And his stance on the LGBTQ community You know huh, Soon to be Ha huh, Secretary of State Sessions, we all know his his stance on civil rights and his background on that, you know, and you have Bannon, you know, who's in an appointed position that doesn't have to be confirmed. And so, you know, he's going to be able to, you know, run his strategic office, if you will, without having oversight of the congress or the people if you will but we've had people talking about him and his past and of course he denies being a white nationalist he denies being you know a you know a voice piece for the alt right he claims that he's an economic nationalist not a white nationalist but when i hear that all i hear is you you want everything for you and those who are like you and think like you and look like you but the rest of us we're screwed and you're going to try to find any way you can to take what little bit that we do have you know and so again i'm just looking at this and the number of people that play into that prosperity gospel and and Like I've said before, your pastors have set you up for failure. And so you got people running around saying, give Donald Trump a chance and how we need to respect the presidency and how dare we protest. And, you know, what's so interesting is that Sean King wrote an article saying that Donald Trump basically... Uh why well, we should not wait to see what Donald Trump and his administration you know will do, we don't have the time we don't we cannot allow ourselves we cannot afford to sit back and watch and wait. That's tacit agreement, and this is one of the reasons why you know this is going to be four years of protest, four years of you know people standing up and demanding justice, you know, on a number of different levels. But, you know, we're going to show Donald Trump the same respect that he showed us, which was none. We owe you nothing. We do not owe him any respect. We do not owe him any loyalty. We don't owe him or you a damn thing and you need to know that, and you need to understand that. Why? Because you you do nothing for us, and what's so interesting, and see, this is where, you know, this presents itself as a quagmire in my world, because like I said, I've played on both sides of the fence here, and you have these people that are saying that You know, Donald Trump, he's putting together a new deal for the blacks. Why aren't you happy? You know, are you all ever happy about anything? Did you read that shit? I mean, seriously, did you read that? And so you have these people, and, you know, the Trump administration, they're trying to backpedal on quite a few things, you know. And there were some things he knew that he would not be able to change. But with some of the things that he's backpedaling on, you know, one day is there, the next day is gone, and then a couple of days later it's put back. And so now they are calling for a Muslim registry. And so I'm pretty sure you all have heard you know that old anecdote in which people said they came for this group, and I said nothing. They came for that group. I said nothing. They came for this group. I said nothing, and then they came for me and there was no one there to defend me. And this is one of the reasons why it is extremely important that we stand up for Muslims in this country, whether you're a believer or non-believer, because it's only a matter of time before they check your particular categories on the list. And although I'm not a believer necessarily, I feel as though people should not be treated like shit. And if we allow this to happen, the rest of us may as well stand in line. And so what's interesting is, you know, one of the Trump people, they were yesterday talking about how there's a precedent that's been set. In regards to interning people. So, you know, that was the Japanese people and, and the Eskimos. I remember writing a paper on that, you know, and I have a lot of knowledge on this, but, you know, we're not here to talk about that in particular. But, yeah, you know, you know they, they interned Japanese and Eskimo people during World War II. And it was wrong then and it's wrong now, you know, and these people did receive reparations for that, but that will never make up for the fear and the trauma that these people experienced. You know, they lost their jobs, they lost their homes, they lost everything that they worked for. And then you turn around and give them $500, what, 40 years later? So I guess that makes it better. And so, you know, you have people running around and saying a precedent has been set, and, you know, I'm calling bullshit on that. Why? Because for those of you that are out there and you're heralding and you're recapitulating this bullshit, about it being a precedent, I want you to think about some things. You know, you're like, oh, yeah, intern those people. We don't know what they're doing, and they may, you know, fly planes into the building and, you know, and, and make pipe bombs. And yeah, In America, the number one terrorist or domestic terrorists we have in this country are white men. But nobody wants to talk about that. So, you know, until we sit down at the table and discuss these things, no, call them bullshit and I will stand up for these Muslims every time when I hear shit like that. You know, but since we're gonna talk about precedence and especially when I see people of color, you know, I hear and giving these bullshit talking points, you know, ha you know, that's why I said, you know, <laughs> they don't want to be called tokens. So now I call them GNCs. And I'm not talking about the vitamin stores. GNC, Good Negro Crew. So you got some people here that are leading the Good Negro Crew and, you know, out here spouting these talking points, telling people, oh, we got lists and we're taking names and we're going to remember and we're going to retaliate. And I'm looking at them And it's just absolutely amazing because if we're going to talk about precedent, let's talk about slavery. That was precedent. You know, there's an article that I'm going to talk about later where it's talking about would Americans vote to reinstate slavery. And so when they turn around and say, well, there is a precedent for it, good Negro crew. What the hell are you going to say? Well, you you know, you don't mind as long as you're the overseer and you're in the house, right? You're a house Negro. But there was a precedent for that. Well, we once had slavery. Well, the blacks did better under slavery and Jim Crow. That's another precedent. Jim Crow. Institutionalized systemic slave, I mean, systemic racism. It's still going on. And you know, you know, lynching was a precedent. The police out here shooting your children down in the street like they're dogs—that's a precedent too. Political prisoners. You know, you got Donald Trump and other Republicans threatening to incarcerate their political rivals. But not only that, they're threatening to, you know, to incarcerate protesters. Are any of you all paying any attention to this? They're passing laws and ordinances in states and cities that will basically charge these protesters with a felony. Protesting will be a crime. Now, I've talked about this for the last several years. And I've talked about how, you know, during the 50s and the 60s, how a lot of these psychiatrists, psychologists, basically took the term schizophrenic and applied it to a lot of these protesters and activists and organizers. And that's when they started diagnosing more people of color, black people, you know, as being schizophrenic and medicating them to the point that, you know, they were a damn potato. In some cases. And I've talked about the protest psychosis. That's a book. Get it. Read it. Go find the abstracts. Go get the, you know, the PDF, the crypt notes, whatever the fuck. But you need to understand what's happening. And I've been talking about how they were trying to designate these activists as domestic terrorists, although Dylan Roof is not a domestic terrorist. And you have people writing articles in the New York Times basically saying that, you know, Dylan Roof, you know, is an exception and, you know, how he should not face some of the same charges. Guys, girls, men, women, women. Sharon, pay attention. Pay attention. You need to see what's happening out here. You know, sexism, you got a precedent for that? You constitutional scholars, 19th Amendment, white feminists, you know, going to the grave of Susan B. Anthony and paying homage to her. What about the black women? What about Shirley Chisholm, Barbara Jordan, Audre Lorde, Zora Neale Hurston, you know, and a number of other black women whose legacy you pretty much have shitted on. You stole it. And then you shit it on it, Ella Baker, Daisy Bates. I can go on down the list, but you don't give a shit. And so, you know, these president, precedents, like I said, racism, sexism, Jim Crow, political prisoners, McCarthyism, now let's talk about that. And I have been ringing the bell on that this year. You know, I've talked about it on past shows, but really this year I have focused, you know, put a laser point on that and how McCarthyism came to rise and how McCarthyism and the Red Scare was used to overshadow the civil rights and black power movement. And I need for you all to pay attention as to what's happening now. You know, when they are when they are attacking socialism and communism. You need to pay attention. And you know, again when I talk about how white people are caught up in a history that they don't know and that they don't understand. Again, I say that applies to blacks as well. And so last night during the awards ceremony, you know, they were tabling and they had some books out there. So they had some books by Lucy Parsons, they had Harry um, Haywood's book, The Black Bolshevik, and it was a book here, and I actually purchased this book, Claudia Jones, Beyond Containment. Now, she was, you know, an activist extraordinaire, and she was exiled to London. And, um, You know, a lot of history. Black people in this country—a really, really rich history. And you know, I was asking why they didn't have any Hubert Henry Harrison there. And anyone who knows me, you all know I love that man. You know. And so, talking with some of the people, we're talking about John G. Jackson, J. A. Rogers, and I mean, it was just a phenomenal conversation. You know, black people, white people, men and women. And you know it was it, it was it was good, it was good, and I think I needed last night. I needed to decompress from a number of things, and so um, huh, go out. You know, I want you all go out and research the Liberty Party, and I actually really want to do a show about the Red Scare and McCarthyism, and you know, contrast it with what's happening now. And you're going to see this type of thing ramping up now that we have a Republican Congress and a Republican president and, you know, a shitload of Republican governors and state legislatures. Democrats, you failed. You fucked up royally. And as I stated last week, this is the Southern Strategy Remixed, And with some of you people out here in some of these different communities, especially within that particular libertarian community, it's nothing but Jim Crow 2.0. You know, and of course they don't like me saying these things about them. And I gives no shit. But it's interesting when they send out their good Negro crew to espouse these particular talking points in favor of discriminating against people, and you know what's so interesting is, you know, many of them feign surprise when you know I defend, you know, Muslims, and one of the reasons why is this Islamophobia is racism, period, and they try to put a spin on it. And anytime anybody looks black or brown looks like they're they're even thinking about being you know a muslim they want everything declared as an a radical act of islam and that's not true and so when i see black people people of color but mainly black people espousing these talking points absolutely amazing to me because the same talking points that you're espousing about the Muslims are the same talking points that they used against us and about us. And they still continue to perpetuate the myth of black criminality and black inferiority. And this is why I'm saying you all need to go back and do some reading about W.E.B. Du Bois and his stance. And someone told me about a book last night, and it's called The Scholar Denied. And in that book, you know, and I did a little research before I went to bed last night and in that book, you know, it talks about how W. E. Boys basically crafted and developed and cultivated, you know, the sociology, you know, um, atmosphere and, and that we have now, and how he was denied, you know, that recognition. And so I really want to read that book. So you know, it's on my little wish list there, and I'll be getting it soon. But you know, I want you guys to really sit back and listen to what these people are saying. And see, now that we have a Republican Congress and a Republican presidency, you're going to hear more and more about these Muslims, this Islamophobia, and it's going to, you know, get louder and louder. There is a reason for that. And all of this, again, ties into 9-11. So you're going to see some communities, you know, galvanizing, you know, a little bit more momentum. Some of the ones that kind of, you know, kind of, I won't say they imploded or disappeared, but, you know, that momentum stopped. And so they're getting ready to pick it back up because, again, they're going to be playing on the fears of people. And again, fear is an industry. And many of these politicians, what they do is they stoke the fires of fear. That is what just happened. Donald Trump election was a direct reflection on the election of Barack Obama. So because we had, you know, a a biracial president, you know, a perceived black person in an authority, you know, um, position, you know, quite a few people didn't like that. And so and this is what has happened. You know, this is what we get. This is the result of that with President Trump, so President-elect Trump. And so, you know, I want you guys to pay attention. And what's interesting to me is I see all of these status updates and, you know, I also see the silence. And I need for you guys to pay attention to that some of these so-called white allies, white friends, you know, white, you know, comrades that you have. Notice how they're eerily silent about certain things. They were eerily silent about Mike Brown, Trayvon, Black Lives Matter, Right now, they're being eerily silent about the Klan marching when, you know, when, when Donald Trump was elected about this planned march that the Klan is going to have in North Carolina. I need you to pay attention. There's a reason why they're silent. You'll have some saying, well, I didn't know what to say. You got an opinion about every damn thing else? Huh. And then you'll have the apologists out here saying that we need to understand the feelings and the rage of the white working class and poor. My question is why should I care? Why should I have empathy with them? When these people have never given a damn about us, these are the very same people that, uh, you know, the white political elite use to oppress people of color, to oppress black people. And like I said, with that election right there, that was a renewing of the social contract, the race contract. And pay attention to what's happening and what's getting ready to happen. You already have white supremacist groups out here saying that there will be no mercy shown, you know. And I'm just shaking my head because it's funny because you had Donald Trump um, when Barack Obama was reelected. You know, Donald Trump was bashing the Electoral College, and when he won via the Electoral College, now it's the best thing ever. And I need for you all to go back and do some research and learn how the Electoral College was used for white supremacy and sexism. It was a tool then and now. And so, (laughs) you know, I need you to do some reading, y'all. Do some reading. None of this shit is new. That's what I'm trying to convey to you. And I've said this over the years. None of the shit that we're seeing, none of this is new. It's different names, you know, maybe different states, different cities, but it's the same game. And the way that we, you know, rebel or stand up or what have you, They already know how we're going to react. They have studied us all the way down to our toenails. And this is why I say strategy, you know, is important. Being tactical is important. Listening is being important. You know, being in stealth mode is important. Especially if we're really looking to push white people to deconstruct this white supremacist system that that they built and that they benefit from. And so, yeah, you know, like I said, these people don't give a shit about us. and They're the ones that are charged with oppressing us, with discouraging us. All of this shit. So you really think they give a damn? And, you know, at last night, I had, you know, um, a white gentleman, you know, and he spoke to me, and he spoke on the anger and the rage and the disappointment of the white working class specifically, and he said that once they realized that they were conned by Donald Trump, you know, they're going to turn on him. However, you know, you know, I'm not even going to go into the rest of it, but, you know the same excuses, the same white splaining. You know we're hearing it across the board, and so it's just really interesting because, like I said, we've talked about the myth of black criminality, the myth of black inferiority, and so there was a group last night. Um, this this two young women that you know performed for us, and they sang, and it was absolutely beautiful. So I got to track them down because. You know, I want to talk about what they were singing about and just kind of introduce them to you. But, you know, one of the lyrics to the song, you know, that they sang, you know, when they said it, it just sent chills down my spine. And I know we've talked about it before, but the way they said it and the way that it was, you know, constructed, it was just profound. And they were like, how are we the criminals when you're the one holding the gun? And that kind of plays into, you know, some of the things that we talked about, how when these men and women, boys and girls, black ones and Latino ones, you know, are killed in the streets, how it turns into an indictment of the deceased. Not an indictment of the one holding the gun, the police officer or the vigilante that's that, that killed and took the life of those people. It turns into indicting them and, and saying <laughs> that they, you know, whatever happened, they brought it on themselves. That bullshit. And what's happening with Native Americans and the way that they're being killed by the police is not being talked about in the news, and they're actually, their rates are higher than black. But the media is not talking about it. And the American public, you know, I hope you all realize that the media played you. They downplayed Trump while while also um, spotlighting him at the same time. And so <laughs> there are a lot of factors that go into what we are now faced with. And what's so interesting is, you know, I saw on the news with uh, Rahm Emanuel, who's the mayor of Chicago, and he was stating that Chicago will continue to be, you know, a sanctuary city. And he promised that, you know, he would work with the people. But Rahm is on that bullshit. He on that good bullshit over there, right? Because, <laughs> you know, Rahm Emanuel, they they work with ICE. They work with ICE. And, you know, they even marched into that church and and took that woman and deported her, you know, and she was separated from her children. And it's so funny because when he gave that press conference and he was talking, one of our representatives, Luis Gutierrez, you know, he was sitting in the background giving Rahm Emanuel the stink face. Because we all know that this is bullshit. So you're going to hear a lot of these false promises, you know, and again, like I said, you know, tell us more about the false hope and the refuse to change that you sold to us. You know, and what's so interesting is, you know, you have a lot of activists and organizers and protesters talking about the deplorable conditions that many of us are living in, you know, the poverty, crime, and, you know, all, the whole gamut there. And one thing that, you know, I've been bridling my tongue on a lot of this stuff, you know, I've talked about quite a few, but I've bridled my tongue on, you know, quite a bit of this. And, you know, many of these, you know, black people, brown people, red and yellow people and some of the white people. You're looking at the Democratic Party and and literally begging them to fix these issues. And and what I'm trying to get through to you is you're begging them and asking them to fix these issues and this has been going on for decades. You know, this has been going on really since the New Deal, right? But nobody wants to talk about how they created the conditions we are in. So before they can fix it, maybe we need to get them to admit that they created these situations. And so, you know, I'm going to go in hard on that when I do my transition show, (laughs) going from white Christian America to black Christian America. I'm gonna go in on this. Because you've allowed them to sell you false hope, false promises, and you turn around and say and sell that same bullshit line to your congregation and to the community without holding Republicans and Democrats, without holding them accountable for the conditions that we're that we live in. And when I say, "You know, you know, question the Democrats, we've got to question the Republicans too, they don't get a pass. I know some of some of you are out there are what about the white Republicans? Yeah, them too. Nobody gets a pass, not even black America. I'm just over here shaking my head because these are hard conversations to have. And people don't want to have these conversations. And so it's just really interesting because I saw a news clip from um, a gentleman in Ireland. And, you know, I, I didn't get the full gist of it, but, you know, he was basically talking about how can he come to America and bring the Irish flag when America has just elected a fascist to office. And he said, you know, he said that he's not going to allow his government to sit back and be quiet and not say anything about what just happened in this country. So he's standing up and he's speaking out and he's pushing back. For those of you that aren't, why not? And see, some of it I get, you know, because especially black people, you know, that Bible was used to control and manipulate us and to exploit us. And it's still used in the same way. And so that's why sometimes I get to looking at some of these black Christians and I'm like, how in the hell are you out here, you know, you know, protesting and, you know, being vocal about the LGBTQ community, marriage equality, abortion, and all of this, but you have absolutely nothing to say, you know, educational and economic opportunities in the black community, not only from, you know, the government, if you will, but also, you know, the very same people that pastor you, that oversee you in the church, that have businesses. That are in the local neighborhood. You know, and this is not an indictment on a whole black church because I've seen and I've worked with some really good black churches that gave back to the community, that are working within the community. So, you know, but my thing about all of this is, you know, our communities basically is just a shithole to a certain degree. And what's interesting is these people have convinced you that, you know, getting food stamps and getting welfare is something to be ashamed of. And you play into that. While they happily receive their disability checks and their food stamps or link, some odd reason they think what they're getting is different than, than what the other people are getting when it's not. According to the rhetoric that they use, they're all entitlement programs, which is a social safety net. And what's going to happen, we've warned you over these last five years, is that they're trying to push a lot of these programs off of the government register, and they're trying to redirect them to religious organizations, the 501c3s, faith-based initiatives. Just watch. And the thing is, is that they know that the church in general is not equipped or educated or knowledgeable enough to run these programs independently, and they're going to fail. Then what? So I need you guys pay attention. Think about this. You know, and so not only are they trying to create a, you know, a Muslim registry, you know, and and that's why I talked about the sanctuary cities, because, you know, they want to attack, you know, the Mexicans, you know, and deport them. But what I need you to understand is that it's just not the Mexicans. You know, they're looking at the South Americans, too, you know, the Hardurans and, you know, Costa Ricans and, you know, people from that, you know, area. And... Nobody's talking about the European immigrants in this country who are not here legally. It's more of them. They're not trying to deport them. And nobody is talking about how the U.S. government paid the Mexican government to send out teams of people to harass the Hondurans and the South Americans traveling through Mexico to get to America. Remember when we had all of those young people coming to America, trying to flee the violence at home, go and look it up. I have no reason to lie to you. I want you to look it up. I definitely want you all to look up. And also, black people, black, brown, red, yellow people, do not play into that narrative about these people taking jobs and stealing jobs. That's bullshit. And so... You know, we told you with the political and economic climate that, you know, that we were living in, that it would contribute to the rise of a dictator or a fascist, and this is what we're saying. And, of course, some of the Trump Trumpeteers are angry when people compare him to Hitler or Mussolini, and, you know, I just read y'all. Read, read, pay attention, call this shit out. Do not allow yourself to be fodder in this. And so, you know, like I said, they say that they're not going to show any mercy to <laughs> to this multiracial America. So, and, you know, these hate crimes have increased you know according to the Southern Poverty Law Center we are now up to 701 incidents of hateful harassment since election day and some people are saying some of them are hoaxes and things like that happen you know but the majority of them yeah you know this is this is happening and if you want to look at some of the direct submissions, go to the hashtag Report Hate. Again, hashtag Report Hate. And you'll see some of the stories. And if you go to the SPLC page, um, you know, you'll see even more. And, I, you know, I spoke about a few of them yesterday. I'm sorry, last Sunday. And, you know, again, you have this anti immigrant Sentiment out there, anti-black, anti-LGBTQ, anti-Muslim, anti-woman. I don't know why you all thought that it wouldn't be this way. You know, I'm just, I'm sitting here and I'm looking at this and I'm shaking my head. And I'm just really disappointed. For a lot of this shit, you know, we've seen, you know, videos of people harassing other folks on public transportation. Oh, let me get to the damn, you know, what a safety pin thing. So what's interesting is, you know, I put up a meme about the safety pin, and it was Ralph from The Simpsons, and he had the safety pin on, and he said, I'm helping, right? And so, (laughs) you know, there's many of us that have been mocking the safety pin thing And, of course, you know, some white people have taken offense to that. And, you know, they say they want to have a voice, they want to be in solidarity, they want to be allies. What's so interesting is is that there was a cartoon, and it was this white blonde woman who was just absolutely horrible, you know, talking about how she didn't want her children to go to school with the blacks, and, you know, making these comments about the LGBTQ community. And all of this was taking place when she was, you know, in her home or inside of whatever, you know, domicile that she was in. But when when she was ready to go outside, she put on her safety pin, you know, trying to alert people that, you know, she's safe and that she's an ally. But in private, You know, she's one of the main ones disparaging, you know, these different groups. And there are a lot of people out there that are like that. And so, you know, this is where it becomes dangerous for a lot of people of color because we don't know who to trust. Because you got a lot of people that have a public face and a private face. And you have a lot of white people out here who will tell you that they don't have a racist bone in their body and that, you know, they're pro-black and pro-this and pro-that, but yet they still have their reservations and make some of the most asinine comments ever. And when we call them out on it, here comes the white tears again. And so, you know, this is my proposal. You know, I think this would be better. How about this? give black people the safety pins, and white people, we will give you five blooms a day. And, you know, as you go to work, and you're on a job, and you go out to the different places, every time you say something that's anti-black, that's anti-woman, anti-LGBTQ, we get to pop a bloom and see how many blooms you have left at the end of the day. And if all your blooms are popped, then we get to go online and <laughs> and register, you know, you know the scarlet, you know the scarlet H or the scarlet R or what have you regarding your behavior. Because what's so interesting is some of you are so biased that when you try to prove to us that you're not biased, you end up proving that you're even more biased than we had assumed. And here comes the white tears again. So get out here, do some research, know that, you know, is, we're in for turbulent times. And just be on the watch, call it out for what it is You know, all of that staying silent and being quiet time out for all of that shit, we cannot afford to be silent and to be quiet about these things because it's only going to get worse, and it's only going to embolden and empower them. And that is what has been happening over the past, just period, but especially ever since Barack Obama was elected. People have been quiet and see, and see, this is how they test the waters. They'll say something and nobody responds. They'll say something even more egregious and nobody responds. And this is how they're able to build up power and build up the audacity and the unmitigated gall to get out here and say and do these things. If you see someone being harassed, it is your duty to speak out on it. It is your duty to shut that shit down. And what's so interesting is those of you who, who have faith, if you will, in the media and, you know, your talking heads, you need to be asking them why the media, why were they not talking about voting rights and how it was under attack about, you know, the Supreme Court striking down Section 5. And Section 2 is next. I need you guys to pay attention. And call it out. And, you know, like I said earlier, we don't owe you shit. We don't owe you a damn thing. Especially you Democrats. All the shit that you've done and Hillary talking about bringing them to heal seems like the only person that's healing now is her and the Democratic Party and the bullshit we've had to deal with. And now that black, brown, red, yellow people are saying, you know, you will earn our vote, now, you know, you guys, you're tripping about it. And it's just, you know, (laughs) you're tripping about it, and you're upset, and you're like, why, asking us why. Well, we saw the notes on Wikipedia or WikiLeaks. You know, don't comply with any policy demands. Hillary Clinton, when she ushered the Black Lives Matter people into the back room. Hillary Clinton, when she was extremely condescending to the black woman who was just asking questions, taking us for granted. See, black lives don't matter to these people, but black votes do. And you need to understand the difference. You know our blackness, you know, you know um, our brownness, you know all of that. It's been commodified. So when you hear the scripture where it says they will make merchandise of you, we've been commodified, and it's up to you to understand you know, what's happening here. But no, we don't need, we don't owe none of them motherfuckers an open mind. We don't owe you any excuses. We, it's not our job to educate you. No, we don't owe you shit. Period. You know, and especially with this fucking betrayal by some so-called white allies. And see, this is the thing. This is how you create radicals. This is how you create revolutionaries, if you will. And you're going to start seeing the rise of some old groups that you thought had died off and gone on and went somewhere and sat it down, you know, had several seats. No, they ain't went nowhere. They were just simmering. And now that the pot is boiling over... We're getting ready to see some bullshit, you know, um, (laughs) rebirth. So no, 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 no. It would be a big mistake for you to ignore it. It would be a big mistake for you to be quiet. It would be a big mistake for you to tell people that it's going to be okay. How the fuck do you know? You don't know that. But we cannot allow it to happen. Oh, give them a chance. Give them a chance. No. Whenever they fuck up, we need to knock it down immediately. So, again, you know, we're seeing, you know, this nonsense. We cannot cannot afford to wait and see what the Trump administration is going to do. You know, we have to push back. And like I said on my wall, you know, when he was elected and I was saying that I was feeling defiant and that survival is an act of resistance, and someone on the thread, they were like, when are we going to live? And that was extremely profound. Because the way that things are being set up now is, again, we're we're in in... <laughs> We've been pushed into a corner, and that's all we've been allowed to do was survive. Not very many of us that are being allowed to live, let alone allowed to breathe, allowed to take a break, allowed to sit down. No, we're not allowed to do these things, and it's only about to get worse. So, yeah, it should be interesting about this new deal that he has for the Blacks you know, we want you guys to pay attention. Go and read that shit. You know, more militarization of the police. You know, more police in your community. You know, And, and just a number of things that he's trying to put forth. And he only put that out there by the urging of his good Negro crew. And so, <laughs> again, uh-huh. go back, guys look this shit up, look it up, you know, because before you get out here and you get to, you know, fussing and complaining, I want you to have the facts, and so I'm just, I'm looking at the situation, and, you know, you have Donald Trump out here, and, you know, we had President Obama, telling people to vote for Hillary because, you know, not voting for Hillary would be a personal offense to him. And I guess you mad as hell right about now, huh? And so, <laughs> God, you know, and one of the things, one of the excuses that Donald Trump and his administration is going to throw at the black community, we are, I see this shit coming. You didn't make these demands of Barack Obama, so why are you making these demands of us? We know what's best for you. So go on and have a seat, little tink-tink. You know, we're going to take care of you, you know, and taking care of us, you know, I don't know how you define that shit. I know how I defined it, and, you know, I don't think anything good is going to come from that. So again got a lot of black, brown, red, yellow people that are leaving the Democratic Party and, you know, and not lining up with them and not buying their bullshit and rhetoric anymore. And this has been a long time coming. And so now you have the Democratic Party feeling as though they were betrayed and that we were disloyal, and especially, you know, the Clintons what did What did Bill Clinton say for everything that we did for them people, putting more of us in jail, destroying our families, destroying our communities, and with your deregulation, destroying the wealth and equity that we had built up through generations? yeah, thanks Bill. So yeah, guys, go out and look up um the electoral college and how it plays into white supremacy and sexism. There's a lot of articles out there that shows you just how much this bullshit and and why it's not going away. And I don't even believe it's ever going to go away. Um, it was an article in Slate, and it talks about the three-fifths clause or the three-fifths compromise, you know, and go back and look that up and understand it. And so this is what I wanted to get to. And this is an article from the Philadelphia Tribune, right? And the title is, Would America Vote to Reinstate Slavery? And so you have Donald Trump talking about how he wants to do a constitutional amendment regarding term limits. And, you know, I was saying that we need a constitutional amendment regarding being, you know, three-fifths of a human being. But you know, what's interesting is if there was a national referendum on, you know, reinstating slavery, would it pass? I want you to think on that. Would it pass? And at this point, from what I'm seeing, oh, yeah, I think it would. And so, you know, you have some people out there. I know you're rolling your eyes, giving me the middle finger, sitting over there saying, well, this bitch here. Yeah, I know, I know. But it's true. And it's not a stupid question. Think about it. So, yeah, I'm going to post this a little bit, you know. I always say I'm going to post stuff, and then I don't. Or I forget, sometimes I just feel like, you know, maybe I should let people do this research and do some of this work for yourselves. But, um, yeah, I want you to go and look that up because, you know, pay attention to what's happening with these students. You know, you have grammar school, elementary school, junior high, high school, college students across the board. You have a number of them walking out in protest. But you also have some that are out here, you know, espousing, you know, Donald Trump and Nazism and a number of things. And so, you know, guys, go and look it up. Go look up the Dred Scott, you know, case, you know, that decision. And and what's so interesting is when the primaries were being held – you had a couple of candidates that you know said that Dred Scott was still the law of the land and these are government officials how the hell you're a government official and you so anyway go oh, oh, look this up like i said there's no way in the world that we can make this shit up this is all documented it's all documented so you know go look it up Get a better understanding. Start unpacking, you know, these narratives, these tropes, addressing it, calling folks out on this shit here, and you know, and I'm talking specifically, particularly to the, you know, the good Negro crew. So, yeah, guys, you know, um, you know, there's an article by Kirsten West Savali. And it's titled, When and Where I Enter, The Racist Expectations of White-Only Feminism. And it's actually a really good piece. And this was released earlier this year. And so, um, yeah, you know, go and read that. And I'm going to try to remember to post it. And it's talking about Susan B. Anthony and white feminists and you know, kind of ties into some of the things that I said earlier. They went out to her grave and put stickers all over them and took some flowers and la, 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 right? So hmm, go and look it up. Go and look it up. I want you all to do some research. I want you all to go and do some research on how, you know, how, Christianity perpetuated racism, and, and a lot of the origins of racism was through Christianity. And I'm talking about racism in this country, in America specifically, you know, and, you know, you have some religious groups out here like the Mormons that are basically, I guess you would call it doing penance or or repenting, you know, but it should be a lot more than just the Mormons trying to actively work through some of those things. But then the other on the other side, you know, there's still some racist bullshit coming from the Mormon church, you know, and Church of Scientology. And, um, you know, you'll hear people talking about their religious liberty or their religious freedom. And that's nothing but cold words for white supremacy. You know, and I also need for you guys to understand that, you know, um, a lot of the homophobia that we see and that people experience now, you know, is, is, you know, is, is an offshoot of sexism. So it's important that You know, you guys, you go back, and it's an article called The Bible, Race, and Slavery. And like I said, I knew I wouldn't be able to get to all of this today. So, you know, I'm going to post some of these things. I may even post the link to a couple of PDFs that go into all of these scriptures, you know, um, like Exodus 21, 20-21. When a slave owner strikes a male or female slave with a rod and the slave dies immediately, the owner shall be punished. But if the slave survives a day or two, there is no punishment, for the slave is the owner's property. So the, you know, killing a slave was punishable because I guess, you know, you're not being a good steward of your blessings, You know, and and killing a slave, that's, that's like throwing away money. And, you know, a number of different readings I can put into that, you know, or interpretations. But I'm just looking at it, and there's quite a few of them that would reinstate. You know, slavery. You know, here we go. We'll do a few more scriptures. You got Matthew ten and twenty four. A disciple is not above the teacher, nor a slave above the master. You know, and you'll have some religious people telling you, Well, that was the old testament. Now this scripture is from the New Testament. Even though you have many scholars that would say the first five books of the New Testament really should but you know, they really belonged in the Old Testament, but that's neither here nor there you know you have Matthew twenty four forty five through 46 who then is the faithful and wise slave whom his master has put in charge of his household to give the other slaves their allowance of food at the proper time blessed is that slave whom his master will find at work when he arrives hmm And, you know, this one here, Ephesians 6, 5, and 6, and what's so interesting about this particular scripture is this is the scripture that American atheists put on a billboard in the middle of the black community. Slaves, obey your earthly masters with fear and trembling and singleness of heart as you obey Christ, not only while being watched and in order to please them, but as slaves of Christ doing the will of God from the heart. Now, the billboard didn't have all of that, but, you know, this, this is the scripture, you know, that gave them that fodder. And needless to say, you know, black people were not happy about that, and they tore it down. And, you know, I, I know there are people in the atheist community who were angry at me because I called it out then. I've called it out subsequently, and I'm calling it out today again. You sat down with members of the Jewish and the Muslim community so as to not offend them. But you didn't say shit to the leaders in the black community. Oh, afterwards, after we complained, you sat down with some members of your good Negro crew, and they said, oh, that's fine. They need to see that. They need to hear that. I'm just saying. You know, here's another one. Titus 2, 9 through 10. Tell slaves to be submissive to their masters and to give satisfaction in every respect. They are not to talk back, not to pilfer, but to show complete and perfect fidelity so that in everything they may be an ornament to the doctrine of God our Savior. And see, and that's not necessarily even relegated to slaves and slave masters or the church. You got people like that out here, you know, just regular everyday people. So if they perceive that a person has some power of some sort, whether it's their pastor or politician or some jackass. Basically, they want you to, to not fight back, to sit there and be quiet. And allow these people to piss all over you and tell you that it's raining because they don't want to upset this person. They don't want to deal with that person's ire. So, you know, when you have people out here punishing you to, because you fought back, because you refused to allow someone to teach you or to treat you like shit, that should ring a bell, red flags especially some of them folks in the good negro crew, you know? And so, ha, here's one more, 1 Peter 2:18 through 29. Slaves, accept the authority of your masters with all deference, not only those who are kind and gentle, but also those who are harsh. For it is a credit to you if, being aware of God, you endure pain while suffering unjustly. If you endure when you are beaten for wrongdoing, uh, what credit is that? If you endure when you do right and suffer for it, you have God's approval. First Peter, two eighteen through twenty nine. This bullshit. And see, and what's so dangerous about you know scriptures like this? is that you basically, you have these so-called affluent black, you know, the black misleadership class or black elite that are basically perpetuating some of these these scriptures and telling, you know, black people that we must, you know, we mustn't upset the white folks too much. you know You know, we shouldn't rock the boat or, you know, go home and pray about it you know, go home, don't be out here, you know, and, and, you know, and they've been charged with coming out there to tell us these things, and like I said last week, white people get a publicist, they have a doctor or a lawyer or somebody like that come out and speak for them, be their spokesperson, but in the black community, the first thing they do is, you know, send out the preachers and the pastors, and some of these, you know, community leaders which, you know, they act in the same way, you need to pay attention, and we need to shut that shit down, too, which is why you have a number of us, you know, looking at Al Sharpton, and Jesse Jackson, and Ayala Van Zandt, and Jamal, um, Jamal Harrison, or whatever his name is, up there in Baltimore, you know, and it's just, you know, looking at them, and we're shutting it down, and for those of you who are not aware, um, Al Sharpton calls himself having, you know, some type of march on Washington before, you know, the before Donald Trump has to say the oath of office, right, before the inauguration day. And I'm sitting here and I'm looking at that shit. So needless to say, of course I won't be there And, of course, I'm going to watch it, and, yes, I'm going to talk about it, and, yes, I'm going to mock it. You know, there's no need in me bullshitting about it. You all already know this, those of you who have been around me. And, you know, again, using these scriptures, you know, or a secularized version of these scriptures to keep people under control, which is why you have, you know, some of these white people as well as some of these black people telling us, oh, give him a chance. You know, this may be good. And, oh, he was just, you know, that was just rhetoric from the election. It was just the game. You know, he's not going to do all of this shit. How do you know? Are you pre-shit? You know, so (laughs) I need you guys. Go read, 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 read. Get out here. Voice. Use your voice. Stand up. We cannot allow this to happen, and especially when they're trying to use religion and the Bible to justify what's happening. And what you're seeing now, like I said, is a renewing of the social contract, right? And and what's happening is you have these white men in particular, because again, when the Tea Party came out, you know, you have some of these white women who were some of the original founders of the Tea Party, and they were talking about jobs for white men and opportunities for white people. And this falls under, you know, that fucked up ass narrative of manifest destiny. And that falls into the white privilege, that white supremacy, you know, that entitlement. And, you know, a lot of white people, they feel as though they are entitled to prosperity. They are entitled to a good life. They are entitled to be held in higher regard than, you know, people of color. And, you know, go back and all this plays out into some of the things that I talked about earlier about how they came and destroyed cities and killed black people or ran them out of town And and stole the land and stole the, you know, the the political positions that they have. And the same shit is happening now. And so, (laughs) you know, go back. You know, go and um, look up the scriptural view of slavery. Go and look this stuff up. And, you know, many white people, you know, with this particular election you know, they put their race over their Christianity or their faith. And it's just interesting because you have this article here from Society or Christian Today, and it says why white U.S. Christians are repenting for the roles, for the church's role in racism, you know, and, you know, we've been talking about this for years, and we've put this information out there, And so it's just really important for you guys to go and read this and to have a better understanding as to how it all ties in with what we're seeing, because at this point, we cannot allow anybody to feign ignorance, which is why, you know, I'm still doing this show, because trust me, there have been many times where I'm like, I don't want to do this anymore, you know, but then I feel compelled. Because it's a lot of information that I'm putting out there that people did not know. And both well, that's both black, white, Latino, Asian, Native, so on and so forth. And so, like I said, it's a lot of shit, you know, going here. And um, you just need to be aware of it. You need to be aware of, um, you know, like I said, I'll put that put that PDF up and some of the articles, but, yeah, you know, you use the Bible to justify, you know, slavery, especially in the South, and so, yeah, you know, we're coming down to the last, you know, 13 minutes of the show, and then I have to run, and, you know, guys, we got to do better, you know, I have to do better, you know, and I would, you know, ask you guys to do better as well. So, again, go back and look up how, you know, religion or theology, you know, basically is one of the cornerstones for white supremacy. And it's interesting because Tony Evans, who's a pastor, and I've known about this guy since I was a child because, you know, I had relatives that would read his books, watch his you know, look TV show, and he wrote an article for the Washington Post and was saying Christians should put their faith above their race and culture. And it's just so interesting, you know, because now I'm waiting to see his condemnation of Paula White and some of these other mega pastors and, you know, Rod Parsley and Jim Baker and all that. I want to see him, you know, dress them down. He knows what's happening out here, and he knows what they're doing. And, again, like I said, with a lot of these old black civil rights vanguard activists, you know, the only thing they've done since Martin Luther King was assassinated was fatten their pockets and fatten their stomachs. And the same thing with these preachers. It's the same shit. You know, a lot of black preachers, are afraid to talk about racism. They're afraid to do it. You know, they're not going to touch sexism and misogyny because that's the cornerstone of, you know, many of their ministries. So call it out. Call it out. Don't give them an inch. You can't. You know, and even right now, you have a lot of white Christians, you know, that are totally dismissing communities of color, dismissing, you know, our cries, you know, of oppression. And what's so interesting about it is, you know, when they do come out and and critique and challenge, they challenge our protests more than they challenge our fucking pain. That should tell you something. If your so-called white allies are out here and they want to critique and complain about the protests that are happening across the country, but they're not critiquing or affirming, you know, black pain, you need to pay attention. Is that really an ally? Is that really a friend? And then you have some of them out here who have the unmitigated gall to try to tell us how we should protest, and how we should, you know, feel our pain, how we should channel that pain. Excuse me, when was the last time you were black? You know, was it that last lifetime? You know, I don't know. Maybe next lifetime, right? You need to be weary, and you need to be careful. So... It's a lot of information. It's a lot of fodder out here that I can go in on in regarding to, you know, some of these religious people, white Christians in particular, and their hypocrisy. But, you know, I think I've given you enough information to, you know, get you started and to help you along the way and to get a better understanding about racism and Christianity and how it's intertwined. And what's so interesting is some of these white people, they will come out and say that they don't understand why black people are Christians or use the Bible when that was used to enslave them, to indoctrinate them. You know, Christianity, you know, quite a few African people were Christians before they were brought to America. You know, America did not invent Christianity. But they bastardized the scriptures to enslave people. Now they don't even have to do it, you know, physically or verbally themselves. They've taught us how to do it to each other, how to beat each other up. You know, so, (laughs) you know, again do some research. You know, I have a lot more to say about that. And even now, you know, if you have these movements out here and if they are not including working class and poor blacks, Latinos, Asians, Native Americans, then I would caution you to be to be careful. Because if it does not center working class and poor people, then it's some bullshit parade going on in front of you. And these people are looking to enrich themselves. So you have to be careful. But also, you know, you got to take everything you read and everything you hear with a grain of salt. Go and look it up. And before you, you know, tear down or disparage Some of these movements and some of these organizations, you know, read up on them. Maybe ask a couple of questions. And I mean, and even if you disparage them, I mean that's your choice. But you know, if they reach out to you and try to have a conversation, I would ask you not to turn away. And after the end of the conversation, if it's bullshit, then it's just bullshit, and you keep it moving. But yeah, guys, I mean, even now. You know, racism and Christianity is intertwined. And this election of Donald Trump, again, you know, it shows us that that post-racial and colorblind narratives, that those were bullshit. And so, again, like I said, challenge these folks challenge their values, you know, try to gauge where their so-called moral compass is. But, again, who who defines morality? And what's moral to one person may not be moral to another. So it's just a whole conversation that has to be had. But one of the problems with these conversations is that white people want it to be white-centered. They want it to be Eurocentric, and we have to decenter whiteness from these conversations and that's where a lot of the conflict comes in because white people then get upset and get angry you know because you know they want to tell you about their pain and they want to tell you you know all of these things and how they feel they have the answer and the resolution to these problems well where have you been the last 100 years why haven't you implemented these things? But you want to come to our shit and and try to shut it down and try to center you and your community and your problems. And this is why you have many of us, like, stop inviting us to your shit. You know, because, you know, you need to put the effort out there. You have to do the heavy lifting. You have to do the hard work. But what I will caution you against is stop telling black people how to be black. Stop telling black people how to feel. Stop telling black people what we need to do, what we should and should not do. You don't get to do that. You do not get to define racism. You do not get to define our oppression because you are not walking in our shoes. And so we're down to the last five minutes of the show and I've had a few callers, you know, and I just haven't picked up. But let me let me pick this one up. Let's see what's happening over here. Hello, caller. May we ask yes, who's ma- calling?
0: Yes, Who? my dear, dear uh, uh, host. I love you, what you said, everything. I approve it, uh, what you have said. You understand there is a major global conspiracy being planned out in front of millions of Americans to the religion of Antichrist and to a new form of Islam and to be one world order of Shaita. So people need to be wake up. They're trying to unite all the religions under one umbrella uh, of Islam. And basically, you know, the, it's the satanic sh- 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 New World Order of these people. And Trump himself is part of the uh, Freemason. I mean, if you go back to his ancestry, I mean, if you go back to his all uh, uh, of, I mean, they give you two different apples and they say you choose which apple do you want. So, Basically, it's everything that shows that Trump, they don't like Trump, blah, blah, blah. Actually, they love Trump, what he's doing. He is going to create the mass civil unrest in the history of mankind in this country, plus a an, an, an Nazi uh, per person is going to be elected to the Australian president very soon. So, these are all part of their plan. So, they're going to mass havoc the whole world. And, uh, you know, that's what is, is going to happen. And people need to be wake up. I mean, it, it, what is Trump is doing, exactly what they want him to do. He is nobody. You know, it's like, I call you. I tell you, uh, give this message to your, someone else and someone else, and someone else call what the Trump says. You have to do this, you have to do this, you have to do that. So he doesn't rule anything. Am I right or wrong?
1: All right. Well, you know, thank you for calling in. I appreciate it. You know, we're, and thank you for calling in. I really appreciate it. And... You know, what's so interesting about what the caller um, just said is with Donald Trump and this administration, but not only here in America, but Western Europe, you need to pay attention to what's happening over there in England with the Brexit and, you know, Western Europe in particular and the conservative movement that is taking place over there. Again, you know, this is happening for a reason, which is why I'm doing the show, basically talking about white Americans and Western Europeans to the rest of us. Fuck your safe spaces. And, you know, we are in for a roller coaster ride. But what I need for you all to understand is that, the, you know, this misleadership class, these, you know, elites, they're going to profit from it. You know, there's a profit in it. When the stock market goes down, if you know how to hedge your bets, you can make money from that. So this is, you know, is, is deep, and so that's why I thank the caller for calling in and You're and oh, oh, thank you so much. You're so welcome. yeah, guys, I want you all to pay attention to you know what's happening here, what's going on, you know what's to come, and again, this is Kimberly with black free thinkers, and we are here to challenge you to think and live for yourself, not convert you. And I guess I'll sign off tonight saying power to the people. We need each other. It's our job. It's our duty to fight and protect one another. It's our duty to win. All right, everybody, take care.